Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. A little recording action, a little live action. And I got to tell everyone, today, love is in the air and it's not even February because my guest today is a marketing matchmaker. What? Say what, Casey? What do you mean? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you because 20 plus years of marketing, biz, dev, management experience has turned my guest into this sort of like magical e-harmony version of, of, he matches up marketers with agencies and everyone's vetted and it, there's all sorts of different things he does, but we're going to learn from him today because he's all about interactive marketing. He's a speaker, a thought leader, even has a weekly radio show uh, with some music, which we're going to talk about. Um, CEO and founder at Setup, Joe Kaufman. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, Casey. I'm excited to be here. Man, there's so many things to talk about. I think the whole show could have just been me talking about you in the introduction. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great to, to talk to you today. I'll see you later. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Take care. <laughs> this has been the hardcore. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> the theme today is 
you know, it's all about the marketer. It's all about marketing careers. It's all about the, the way that we express ourselves as an individual, as a marketer, and as even as a company, the lessons we can learn from our careers into how to do better marketing as a company. And there's all these different things. And I know you're an expert in so many things. So I want to quickly pass you this. It's heavy. Ugh. Okay, here you go. Here's Thor's yes. hammer. You got it? Okay, you got it. Oh, wow. Wielding that perfectly there. It looks like you practiced. Yeah. Take that hammer and smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. How about this one, Casey? Nobody gives a shit about your resume. Oh, uh, shots fired, Joe. No one gives a shit about your resume. Tell me more. I'll explain what I mean by that. Really, nobody cares about your background and what you've done. What they really, really care is about what you could do from, for them and their business. If you think about when you've ever been in a position to hire somebody new, it's always a little bit of a gamble, right? Like you're always, while you, you may check references and which is always kind of a joke anyway, right? Because who's right. going to provide the people that These people like hate you. me. Here are their phone numbers. Right. But, but the reality is um, when you hire somebody, whether it's an agency or, or a company or a person, you are making a little bit of a gamble that, and what you're gambling on is, is can this person do the things that they said that they can do for me? Yeah. And then your resume is a little bit of, um, of, of uh, comfort to that person that you could probably do the things that you say that you can do. But the reality is nobody cares about what your resume, you know, your background and your resume, they're hiring for potential. They're not hiring for history. Hiring for potential, not for history. Not that. So the past looking accolades of all these amazing things I did, it's just a little bit of evidence to maybe help your case, but it's not really about that. It's about, can you do all those magical things right. and the things that I have in my job description or that I'm signing on the SOW right. for the company? Can you actually do that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, you know, the resume is a little bit important in that it just verifies that I think you could do the things that you said you could and that I think you could. Mm -hmm. But, the, you know, I, I often tell young people who are graduating from college and getting their first job or people that are changing careers or even just people that are trying to get somebody to, to hire your company is that talk about the things that you could do for them and talk about your capabilities and your um, compatibility <laughs> uh, rather than talking about the things that you've done. I mean, you know, when I see a resume and it's got lots of nice measurables in every single bullet point, that's all great. But I'd rather see a resume or, or a capabilities deck or whatever it is sure. that outlines how you could solve future problems versus things that you've done. Yeah. Why do, why do we do that? Why do we, and I love that this parallel hits us on a resume, but also it's the exact same thing if we're selling ourselves as a company. Why do we put so much stock in the past and try to pat ourselves on the back like that with those resumes? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is if you think about somebody when they're hiring 
let's say an agency or, or another company, you want them, the, the agency or whomever it is to do for you what you did for them, whoever them is. And, and, and same thing when you're hiring a person. I want this yeah. new person to do what they did for them, but do it for me. When um, uh, we'll, I know we'll later in this conversation talk about my background, but um, we, I ran marketing and business development for an agency called Engage for six years. And we sold to Publicis Group, which is a massive holding company. Jeez. Um, and as soon as we did that, I had a lot of job offers come at me pretty quickly from agencies. I had six job offers and they were all <laughs> agencies that said, we want you to do what you did for them, but do it for me. Right. Um, and, and, and if you think about it, current clients or current customers want you to do, are, are willing to let you experiment and try something new, but new customers or new employers want you to do what you did for them, but do it for me, maybe in a different way, maybe in a better way, but it's still aspirational versus looking towards the past. So knowing that that's actually what's going on behind the scenes, what should we change in our marketing ourselves and our, in our companies? Yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, if you're talking about a person and applying for a job, I'm a big fan of visual resumes. Think about a resume that looks more like an infographic versus a traditional list with bullet points on it. And the beautiful thing about an infographic version of a resume or if it's for a company, think about like a one sheeter, you know, that kind of defines what your company is good at and what yeah. your company's not good at. You can do some things visually that tell a story about what you could do and about your, not just your work history, but your personality and your, and your motivations and your, um, do, do you have values as a person mm -hmm. um, that you bring to an opportunity? A good example here at setup, we're marketing matchmakers and we have six values and I'm gonna attempt to say them really quickly. Connected, honorable, resourceful, insightful, curious, and tenacious. Mm. And I, I, can, I, I can go into those a little more detail, but we, we, we as a company are very focused on our values and both we hire for those values and we're willing to fire for those values mm -hmm. as well. And, um, but, when you do a visual version of your resume, for example, you could add your values to that document. Yeah, You could add a, a nice pie chart that talks about things you enjoy in your free time that you probably wouldn't put on a traditional resume. Um, you could put a timeline with your work history from job to job to job so that somebody could see the path or journey that you've gone on. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that this kind of a document replaces the traditional resume or traditional one sheet or one pager or whatever, but it's an additive thing. So if you're, you're applying for a job and, and, you know, by the way, dur during right now with a little bit of a down economy, um, there are a lot of people applying for jobs and looking for right. jobs. And at the end of the day, I would use both versions. I would, you know, when you send to the hiring manager and the recruiter, know that the recruiter cares about the traditional resume because they're going to put that into their word scanner and make oh, sure yeah. that your keywords that they're looking for in the job description match up the keywords on your resume, your traditional resume. Right. But the hiring manager may go straight to the visual resume first and want to know, well, who is Casey? And you know, what makes him right. tick versus 
just a you know a list of stuff that he's done interesting i could even see that being on the same dock too so you know the computer can scan one and then the other one the human can can read and i i've i've seen probably a billion resumes but the ones that i remember are those ones you're describing the visual and one was like the guy described his capabilities like i adobe illustrator you know i'm a i'm self-rating myself as a four out of five or this the capabilities on the side and some other things to your point you know who is this person will they fit my team uh do they take that extra effort do they stand out yeah and to me when i'm hiring as an example i'm looking for cultural fit Because at the end of the day, my team has already interviewed the candidate to understand if they have a capability fit. Do they know how, I mean, if if it's a designer, do they know how to use Photoshop and and InDesign? Okay. If they're a copywriter, have we read some of their writing samples? If they're, um, whatever the position is, we've already vetted their capabilities to see if they're a good fit. Then it just comes down to, are they um, going to mash mesh with our chemistry mm. and do, are they a fit in terms of values? Are they a fit in terms of, um, uh, mission? So we, we call it PVTV, which is purpose, uh, vision, tenets, and values, PVTV, purpose, vision, tenets, and values. Um, this is, this comes from a, a book, a good friend of mine wrote called the, um, five day turnaround by mm. Jeff Hillemeyer. And, you know, in, the, in chapter two, he talks about developing your purpose, vision, tenets, and values. And um, anyway, I, I, it's a good way to hire somebody, whether that somebody is a person or, or a potential partner or solution or, 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 you know, service provider or whatever the, the, the yeah, thing that you need is. For sure. And, and I think we forget that that the overall experience is, is valuable when it comes to customers as well, because we may, you know, it's like just actually doing the work if you're a service company or that the software does what it does. If you're selling that or whatever you're selling is part of it, but we're all emotional humans, you know, running around and in the experience of how it felt, you know, Um, I was just chatting with Vicki O'Neill and she was like, Hey, 37% people will pay 37% more if it feels if it's a better feeling experience, you know, and, and we forget that, okay, I can give you my black and white resume, but, but how are you making them feel along that way? Is that migration stressful <laughs> moving from platform to platform? Yeah. You got everything moved over. There's no downtime, but it was stressful as hell and everyone's mm-hmm. miserable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably really not getting a hundred percent score on that one. You know, right. and, that, and that might be the thing they remembered. Oh yeah. We got moved over and it was a terrible time, you know, versus, uh, we got it moved over, but it was uh, it was so easy and stress free with that team. They were amazing. Yeah, it reminds me of also even just you think about the expression. You know, they don't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah, and and that absolutely applies with you know when when somebody reviews that one sheet about your company, how does it make them feel? You know, what is what do they remember about it? You know, and, and if, if I'm looking at somebody's resume, at some point, if it's just a laundry list of stuff, even if those things are accomplishments, my eyes glaze over just a little. Whereas somebody that comes with something a little bit creative, 
and a little bit unusual, a little bit different. Um, we, I've seen some really cool examples of resumes. I saw a guy who recreated a um, Amazon product page hmm. and he gave himself reviews, which were actually testimonials wow. from, from former employers and things. And he gave himself product details, you know, the description of his skills were the kind of product details. And he gave a couple of photos of the product, you know, there were photos of him and things, but it was really clever and well done. I don't think he was applying to Amazon, but I think he was proving a point that, you know, he could develop products and that kind of thing. Um, I also saw a version. Well, quick question. Did he, did he have his price tag next to the buy now button? I think like, so. Yeah. I think it was his yeah, res- 65 to 70 K. Right. I think it was I his, his salary Amazon requirements. Prime. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I've seen other versions of that where there were really clever. I, I'm a big fan of um, when people misuse platforms on purpose. Uh, you've seen sometimes funny Amazon reviews of products or we've seen yeah. Yelp, Yelp misused on purpose for, for an imaginary <laughs> place or something like that. But the reality is um, I think that especially during a down economy, people need to get creative and creative doesn't mean you can paint or you can do a piece of music to me. Creative means you know, critical thinking and coming up with something clever and something new and something that stands out from the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Stand, you know what? All this goes back to what you had said where they, they don't remember what, what you say, but how you made them feel. Any of these things, a sales call, the interview call, interview in person, your yep. resume, all these things. How, what kind of feelings are you giving people as opposed to, the blah, 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 you know, list of accolades or whatever it is. And you sort of blur, blur it out in your mind. You don't remember it. Yeah. You remember that Amazon page for sure. For absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And so, so I think that, um, you know, you kind of pointed out that part of the goal is to stand out, but the, but part of the goal is to help the person on the other end of this message feel that you're a good fit, mm-hmm. whether you're a good fit, for the team, you're a good fit because your you know company's a good fit. Your your product's a good fit. Whatever the thing is, you want them to envision you as part of their solution set. And right. to do that, it requires you to stand out in some way. And to stand out in some way, my point is, you know, show your personality and show your creativity. Um, there are other, some, some other really great examples. There was a, there was a young man who uh, was balding prematurely at age, I think, 22, 23, and he started shaving his head with a special razor called a head blade. Hmm. And he heard about this position being open uh, to run social media for the company Headblade, which hmm. this guy was based in Michigan, but the, the, the position, the company was based in LA. And he started an entire campaign for this specific position, uh, hmm. it was Hire Me Headblade. He had the Hire Me Headblade Twitter handle and YouTube channel and all these things, and he created all this what? content around Hire Me Headblade. And of course, the CEO of Headblade caught wind to this guy, young man's campaign. He said, fine, bring him in for an interview. Lo and behold, they, they brought him in for an interview. He was passionate about the product. He was passionate about the company. And he showed through his campaign that he created that 
he really wanted it. Um, I, I'd say that might be the single largest determinant of, what, of, of, of for example, uh, an agency being hired by a client or a person being hired by a hiring manager is how badly do you want it? And in this case, this young man showed how badly he wanted it. They brought him in for an interview. He got the job. He had to change all of his handles to they hired me head blade or whatever. Oh, yes. Yeah. This was many years ago, many, many years ago. But my point is creativity, you know, come up with some way to stand out from the crowd. Um, I have an example of something that we did in my business some years ago to stand out that was fun. Um, we, we were fortunate to work with a video agency that was part of our, our network. Mm-hmm. And we decided to film a spoof dating video. We did, um, it was kind of a um, takeoff on eHarmony or Matt, you mentioned eHarmony or Match.com. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the people in the video, it was a white background and person standing in front of the camera. And she, they said things like, you know, there are plenty of fish in the sea. And set up helped me find the perfect catch. Yeah, <laughs> they, they said, you know, they set up helped me find the perfect match for my, you know, my marketing needs and perfectly. And then about halfway through the video, there's a little disclaimer that pops up that says, "Not actors, actual clients." And then it, they then they said things like, "Set up helped me find the perfect marketing agency for my needs." So we shot this video, which was. Um, specifically around matchmaking and finding the right marketing agency. Then we sent out 420 Valentine's cards. This was right before Valentine's Day. We sent out 420 handwritten Valentine's cards to vice presidents of marketing that said, we want you to be our Valentine, but it's not what you think. Go to makesomesparks.com to learn more. And once they went to make some sparks.com, they'd see the video. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little form. There's just a little capture that said, and I know um, marketing automation, we'll talk a little bit about marketing automation later, but we had a little capture form that they would fill out. And then um, we would then nurture them on an ongoing basis, but they were clearly interested in at least what we were, our message and our content. Wow. And so, I think we had something like 37% of the 420 that we mailed the postcards to actually hit the landing page and watch the video and and, in some cases filled out the form. Wow. So um, it was fun. And oh, by the way, we didn't actually hand write all of the the Valentine's cards. We used a service. There's there's several of them. Sure. uh, Bond.co or Thankster or a couple of others where it looks really handwritten. I mean, so much so that when they write out the card, the O is different three different times that's written, you know, of the really? same. Um, so they're really, really well done. So much so that um, we had a, a a big national restaurant brand based in Texas. I received an envelope from them, uh, a big envelope, and it was addressed to, to, you know, set up and our address here in Atlanta. And I opened it up and it said, Sarah is no longer with our company. Just want to make, she actually thought it was a Valentine's card from us to this former employee of the company. <laughs> the HR person sent us back the envelope to say like, sorry, she's not here anymore. Um, 
which is really cool because it told it told us that that you know our our uh, we weren't trying oh. to trick anybody. But oh, I see. Helped. It told you that it it they really thought it was like a Valentine. Yeah, and and I mean our goal was not to trick anybody. I mean our oh. goal was really just to come up with something fun and clever. That's kind of tricky though. Them. I like that. <laughs> it was a little but, uh, but it was fun. I mean, it, it was the kind of thing that it it's it was a creative idea, and yeah. um, it didn't cost us a lot of money. I mean, the video to shoot the video was not terribly expensive, and certainly the the send I think we pay a couple bucks per card or something like that to do. And they do everything in, from the printing to the mailing with our yeah. return address. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, but uh, uh, stand out from the crowd, be creative, come up with an idea that, that makes that, that, that helps the person understand how you're a solution to their problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. To think that uh, HR, I was, I was like, where is this going? Where, what are they? Why are they sending a packet back? And good old HR. She thought Sarah was getting a, a a Valentine card, and so she really, you know, wanted to make sure that whomever this this unrequited love that was <laughs> trying to reach Sarah knew that Sarah was not receiving card. Oh boy, sounds like Pride and Prejudice Modern Edition. Um, very, very much. That's I live my life every day like that, Casey. Yeah. Now, no. who are you though? Are you Elizabeth or Mr. Darcy? That's the question. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> um, well, that stands out though, and and that's that's fascinating to see. That you got such a response rate on those cards and going to the website because you have a lot of steps in that process. But it sounds like it well-conceived idea. That's what that's what it's all about in marketing is having those fun ideas and and testing them out. Um, Tell me about the path of the marketer, because I know one of the biggest things that, you know, we're on this topic of standing out. I, I just want to take a, a, like a, maybe a tangent on this, but I, I know that you've got a really popular you know, knowledge center on just the idea of the marketing career. And as it progresses, mm -hmm. could you just kind of highlight that? Cause I, you've done sure. some work into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about that path from entry level to CMO and all of the steps that, go into that journey. Um, and there, one thing that I've learned over time is that there really doesn't seem to be a standard or linear path. Um, everybody has a different, I mean, the, the question I often ask is just of any professional in the marketplace, how many of you are directly using your college uh, major every day? Um, and, and I'll right. tell you, from my perspective, uh, I was a politics and speech communications double major. Um, we didn't call it political science because they are the head of the department said there's nothing scientific about it. But um, but uh, uh, yeah. if you think about uh, my path and my journey, you know, I, I was not destined to be a marketer. Um, when I graduated college, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I, I went into retail because I didn't really know I was working at the mall part-time. Yeah. So I ended up in retail, but I called um, the smartest person I know, my first cousin, Greg, who, you know, uh, Cornell undergrad, Harvard. Wait, wait the MBA. smartest person, you know, he, he's your, here's your cousin, Greg. My first cousin, Greg. First, not even just cousin. I, I was just, you have to specify in Georgia what level of cousinry is that oh is that? of course because you know i mean i'm not gonna kiss or or, or marry greg but right you know, uh but no no we um 
so so greg you know uh, ivy league undergrad ivy league mba wow. and i say uh greg you know what what should i do with my life uh, i'm a young grad i don't know what i should do and he said well based on what i know about you and based on our conversation it feels like marketing and sales would be really sales and marketing would be really good for you it's great greg thanks so much what is sales and marketing right uh, I honestly had no idea politics and speech communications, double major sales and marketing was not on my radar. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd never taken a business class, never taken a marketing class. And so he's kind of explained it to me. Well, you know, marketing is sort of like carpet bombing and <laughs> sales is sort of like hand to hand combat. I said, wow, Greg, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do either of those things, <laughs> but, but um you know, he, he knew that I had interpersonal skills. He knew that I had some empathy with the customer and understanding mm -hmm. the customer and the customer's needs. Yeah. And, you know, he, 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 he just, he pegged me early on and it took me a long time to figure that out. And my point is that I think we all take a little bit of a circuitous route. I, I, I always kind of envied friends that were, that went to college and they were pre-med. They or, just knew, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're taking all history classes because they want to be an attorney or they're mm -hmm. taking all bio and chem classes because they want to be a doctor. I'm like, that just wasn't my path. And I right. think m many marketers, so I, I envy young students who are taking hardcore marketing class, hardcore marketing classes. Amen. Um, or, or hardcore you know, digital marketing classes, particularly because, you know, to, to start with that foundation and then be able to grow from there. Uh, I, I'm on the board of, uh, of uh, the University of Georgia's digital marketing program, the Terry College of Business uh, oh, yeah. has a digital marketing program. And one of the things they, they require all the students that are going through that program to become Google Analytics certified before they graduate. As they should. They require them to become Google AdWords certified before they graduate. Excellent. Many of them get the Facebook Canvas Studio certified. Um, they, they require them to go to a digital marketing conference. Um, I actually put on a digital marketing conference every year uh, with, with my co-founder called Spark South, um, which brings together about 200 digital marketing students nice. and digital marketing professionals that are from brands, from big, you know, some of the best brands in the world, from, from agencies. Um, and then actually like last year's keynote speakers were from Kellogg's, uh, from McAfee, and then from a, a pretty prominent agency. Hmm. Um, but the purpose of that part of that program is they want the students to be exposed to real life digital marketing, not just textbook digital marketing. That's incredibly and, perceptive of them. Uh, is that the influence that you brought to that or did they kind um, of already have? I don't know. I mean, I, I helped. But, schools don't only do that. I'm usually a little, little shady on, on schools being behind the times. Yeah. I mean, the, the best thing I ever heard was the woman that runs that program said to me, Early on, I've been involved for seven years now. She said, in fact, uh, these little trophies back here are related to uh, a digital marketing competition that I'm a part of every year where I, we coach students. Oh, cool. But 
she said, the purpose of my program is to create trade school for digital marketers. Yes. You know, think about not just the philosophies, but think about the being able to execute on the tactics of digital marketing. So do you know what marketing automation is and how it works? Do you know what analytics are and how they can feed right. creative and, 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 and inform insights? Do you um, know how to leverage social media, not just to hang out with your friends and connect with your friends, but for business, you know, business right. social media is a lot different than, than personal social media. Yeah. Um, and so these are all parts of some of the skills that these students are leaving college with, which I wish that I had in my, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as a long answer to your question about the, the marketing career path, which is, which is to me, um, early in your career path, you become a specialist in something, whatever mm. that something is. You may be an analytics specialist or an email specialist or a social media or a PR specialist or, or you might be writing code or you might be copywriting or whatever. And as you get deeper and deeper into your career, you less focus on doing the tactical executional activities and you become more focused on managing a team. And as you start to focus on managing a team, you require a bunch of different skills that you probably didn't get as a specialist. Didn't, yeah, for sure. Weren't trained but, on or anything. Yeah, so, so you think about it, you know, your skills that led you to be an amazing digital designer are not the same skills as managing a team of digital designers. It's, it's the old, uh, you know, in sales organizations, the uh, best sales guy gets promoted to sales manager and often that person stinks as a sales manager, but they were great as an individual performer. And so you think about as somebody progresses in their marketing career, it may begin with being a tactical executional person. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you grow in your career, you become more of a manager of people. Um, I always laugh. One of my friends is a chief marketing officer for a, a big restaurant, national restaurant chain. And she began her career. She's been in restaurant business her whole life, but she began her career as the hamburger at Burger King. Like literally yes. she worked at Burger King and she had to dress up in the hamburger. Wow. Oh, I love experience. it. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you start junior, you don't get a corner office. You don't get a massive, you know, awesome title when you begin your career. But I think you proved yourself as, a, as an expert in some craft. And then you start to amass a team of people who can help you execute that craft. Wow. Um, you know, flashbacks, you're right. Not circuitous route <laughs> for most people. I, every now and then I'll talk to people that majored in marketing, you know, but did we even know what that was when we did it? And then... Um, yeah, you know, I left college with knowing how to write a press release and to write C plus plus, right? Wow. <laughs> but somehow, you know, it's better than me. Really? I, I, I knew about the Arab-Israeli conflict in the Middle East. Oh and shit! I knew, <laughs> and I knew about um, political ads because we, my, my dream, my senior year of college, I had my dream class. It was political communications, which was. It, it was about campaign ads, basically. And it was my dream because it was mass communications and also politics combined into one class. It was political ads, you said? 
Oh yeah. It was, you know, think about all the campaign ads over the decades yeah. and, and, and the, there's some famous ones. And, uh, and you think about also, you know, mass communications and mass persuasion. So political speeches and things like that are, are, are the ultimate form of, and by the way, talk about sales and marketing, mm -hmm. you know, the ultimate marketing engine is a campaign, right? You're trying to convince a person to vote for a person. Take an action. Yeah. Boy, talk about direct marketing 101, uh, you know, uh, brand marketing. Here's, here's a ism for you. Brand marketing is long-term lead gen, in my opinion. Mm. So Nike puts a swoosh on every shoe and they put a swoosh on every shirt and they put it to the point where they don't even have to write Nike anymore. You know the swoosh. Oh, yeah, Nike, you know the swoosh. Right? Yeah. And their goal and their hope is that when you do eventually go to the retailer, whether that's e-commerce or in person, you pick the swoosh instead of the three stripe ones. Mm -hmm. And so it's long-term lead gen. The idea of the brand, you're building a brand with the goal of driving purchase. It's just a longer tail you know, play. You're not, you're not yeah. looking for an immediate purchase. You're looking for a, a, a long-term mass purchase. Um, oh, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in, in brand building with a, with a purpose of lead gen, you know, long-term lead gen. Boom. So much to talk about in this last, um, you just dropping bombs left and right over here. You're carpet bombing me with strategies. Uh, uh, can I take you back to the, the early, path you're a specialist um you're reminding me of when i was just doing this fls report as like a marketing coordinator it was this it sounds like a tps report TPS right? reports from office space yeah yeah it, it was like it was a report to try to show the roi of a freemium model spending 100k in ads on google to get freemium signups to eventually convert them in email to paid signups which now you could do with some tech right marketing automation yeah. probably rock that rock that for me with no work but i had to do this report in excel it would take seven hours and there's like a yeah nine page like process doc i have to go through to step by step like paste this here do that there so i learned macros just so that i could have the computer do it um because <laughs> i was like i'm not doing this for, for like a whole day do the fls report but but you're right you start with these sort of just these boots on the ground level tactical things like sending out that email or executing that social campaign or whatever it might be. Oftentimes you have a specialty or something you gravitate toward. Uh, when, but when you make that change that you mentioned, the next thing is when you start adding that, the management layer in there, what kind of like, no, no one sort of prepares you for that. Yeah. I mean, the reality is I think there needs to be a whole nother level of training and a whole layer of training that happens as somebody makes that transition mm -hmm. from, and part of it comes from school of hard knocks where you become a manager and you learn some of those skills. Yeah. But I think a lot of it could be developed. Um, as an example, uh, my mother uh, for many, many, many years has been an adjunct professor at the center for creative leadership, which is an international leadership development company. Cool. And their, their focus is they, they, they send, mostly big companies send their senior executives through a battery of tests and then they go to CCL and have all the tests interpreted, but also are given coaching and guidance on how to leverage everything that they're learning to be better leaders within their right. organizations. 
and the reality is, you know, I know you're, you're a, a military veteran, Casey, that, that, you know, you probably gained a good, great deal amount of leadership training and development just naturally as part of your oh, path through Yeah, that. just a part of, yeah, exactly. But I don't know that it was formally, like, it was part of the under, learning about the chain of command and learn, you know, right. you didn't, nobody sat you down in front of a, a, a chalkboard. They, they used to have these things called chalkboards. I know, right? Dry erase boards. And, and uh, you know, and taught you necessarily the skills. And I think that that's something that's maybe a little bit missing is, is for, for most people in that journey is that they have to do it by trial and error. There's not a really great curriculum for those of us who have been asked or been, you know, moved into leadership positions. Um, right. I personally am a big fan as an entrepreneur, I spent many years involved in EO, which is the Entrepreneurs Organization. Right. It's a nonprofit um, focused on helping young entrepreneurs learn the skills of how to run a company, which is right. very different than this. You know, everybody, when they come up with a great idea to start a company, nobody tells you how to read a balance sheet, a P&L statement. It's true. Nobody tells you how to ensure that the people on your team are going to sit in the right seat in the bus you know, uh, of mm -hmm. your company. And um, so you think about all of those, EO was a, a little bit of a training ground for me to learn some of those skills that helped me um, learn how to be an entrepreneur and learn yeah. how to be more, a better leader. Yeah, it's funny because I'm an EO and I agree with you. It's those basic things that sort of teach you but you, no one actually taught you and yeah. you could learn it the hard way, but it might take you out. So yeah. it'd be helpful if you had a, a group around you, you know, and you, you're mentioning the, the military too. And I thought in my head, how oh, I know that, you know, you hit to get certain positions, especially as an officer, you uh, even, you know, as enlisted, you know, the staff, the NCO school or the army war college, they try to build in training along the way. And then I was trying to think, well, what is that in the civilian world? And then, like the MBA comes to mind, but I, I wonder because are we, so I know sometimes as you go up in education, which I, I haven't done this, I've done like more of the, the lower ones, you tend to specialize deeper and deeper and deeper, but you kind of want that generalist and you kind of want that management yeah. you know, training. And so is, yeah, it, is there a funny, contrast there? You think about like people that get their PhD, not in, not in uh, Renaissance art, but like in, you know, 14th, 16th, 17th yeah. century uh, uh, Renaissance art from Florence with, you know, it's like, like it gets right. very, 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 very specific. Um, and I feel like uh, the more educated we get in some ways, the more we learn about a very narrow focused, focused topic. Um, you're right. I think an MBA maybe is the closest to like a general but how much do they focus on, on interpersonal skills in, in, in business school? How much do they focus on management of you know, leadership, not management of, 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 you know, I think in an MBA, they teach you business skills, but they don't necessarily right. teach you leadership skills. Yeah. Like it maybe just down and dirty, like, okay, MBA aside, I just need to, I have two people. How do I hold them accountable? I need to do one-on-ones yeah. -on with them. I've heard. How do I do that? You know, yeah. just some of those basics of how to go from being the individual contributor to maybe coordinating a few people in the process, even if it's an intern. It's like, how do I do that? And yeah. 
and do it effectively and not waste a lot of our time. And yeah, there, there's a little bit of gap there, I think, in, in, the, in the different training systems. Absolutely. But, but again, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you build these skills over time, yeah, which um, either they're intentional because you're a digital marketing graduate and that's your path and your, your journey is very linear, like just like the pre-med major is a chemistry major or something, or you're like me that you're a politics and speech communications major that has some interpersonal skills, but doesn't really know what, what your path is going to look like. My, yeah. Mine looked like four years of retail management. Eddie Bauer moved me from New Orleans, Louisiana, mm -hmm. to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to Atlanta. Eddie Bauer did. Uh, and then I spent you know, one Christmas season running a store. I was, I think, 26 years old. I was running a $5 million a year, $6 million a year store. Wow. And like 50 employees. And I said, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I don't want this for the rest of my life. And I, I'm not even really fully qualified right. you know, in terms of my skill set and background. And that was and so a retail store with, during the holidays? What's that? Yeah, I mean. Ouch. <laughs> well, and I'd already been through four holidays at that oh. point. But, but the reality was I, didn't, I knew I didn't want that to be my path for the rest of my life. Yeah. I ended up um, getting an opportunity with the dot-com. This was in late 99, early 2000. And I went to work for this dot-com and I ended up spending eight years there. Mm. And I began, I spent my first three years as an account manager. Um, and then I spent my next five in more of a sales role. And right. it ended up being a really great salesperson because I understood a lot about what my, the expectations that I was setting as a salesperson, how those were going to have to be fulfilled by somebody on the other mm, end. Right. Cause you'd been there. And, um, and we, I spent eight years there and I lived through the dot-com bust. Uh, I remember layoffs and, and, mm -hmm. and salary cuts and things and bridge funding. And eventually uh, our, our biggest competitor went public in 2007 called tech target. And oh, they raised, yeah, they raised $130, $130 million in their IPO. Wow. And they bought Knowledge Storm for uh, $58 million. And, um, and then I bought a nice laptop with the money that I made. For <laughs> nice. But, but I then went to work for a small digital agency mm -hmm. that soon became part of a full-service marketing agency. So we were probably a 60-person digital shop. And then we became part of a 250 person agency called Engage. And um, I went to work there and talk about like career changes. Um, I was hired as the vice president of business development and marketing. And after about three months on the job, I got pulled into this meeting with the CEO of the agency, the VP of research and innovation, the vice president of client services and the vice president of strategy. Okay. And the meeting was, Hey Joe, you need to learn how to do your job or get the F out of here. Okay. It was kind of a coup. Um, and, and you were uh, marketing and biz dev and they basically threw a bunch of other people in there and they're like, you suck essentially. Yeah. They, 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 well, they were the ones that, that basically went to the CEO and said, you need to get rid of this guy. He sucks. 
and the CEO had at least the foresight to say, hey, if you think he really sucks that bad, you tell him. And so he got us all in a room. That and they is all so badass. Me, That's like yeah, a Brian move. I love that. Yeah. And so, so they all told me how badly I sucked. Um, and and I, I went home that night and had to make a decision about whether I wanted to keep doing that or not. Um, because what happened was I had gone from eight years at this dot-com where we were selling product, we were selling mm -hmm. products, to a company that was a services business and, and selling services is very different. You know, mm. instead of asking how many do you want, our question was, well, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. It was a very different question. So, um, so I resolved to try to fight through that and I um, took their feedback, didn't get defensive, but sort of distilled their feedback into three or four key areas where I sucked the most, okay. um, in their opinion. And then I went back to each of them and said, look, if I can solve these four problems, are we good? And they sort of said, well, yeah, good luck. I mean, the, they, they were like kind of big problems. Like if you were only smarter and taller and better looking, then we would like you. <laughs> um, but the reality is uh, I did work very hard on those things and tried to, you know, I got a facelift and I got shoe lifts and I got right. you know, brain implant and everything was better. Um, but no, no, but, but I really, <laughs> I focused on learning the things about the services business that, you know, the agency that I hadn't really learned yet. And, and, and I really took the time to, and put in the work and lo and behold, as this was happening, we started winning some new clients. And as soon as we started winning some new clients, they became less concerned about my flaws, the more we won. Um, and so Interesting. Th those three ended up becoming my three biggest advocates within the agency. And I, I ended up forming a lot of relationship with them. And um, I ended up actually outlasting all three of them, which is kind of ironic. Too. Interesting. Now, question, looking back, hindsight, how much of it was you did suck? I just assume none, but you know, maybe there's some flaws. Oh, there no, I up. definitely did suck some. So you, okay. So you, you sucked some, like how much it was like you sucked or like you didn't communicate what you were doing or. Yeah. I'd say it was 50, 50. Okay. Um, and the 50, 50 is I had some raw business development and marketing skills based okay. on my experience and past, but I didn't really understand how an agency works and how that's different from a product's company got it okay so it took and again to the credit of the ceo he had the foresight to know hey look this guy's got skill and this guy can actually help our organization talk bring it all the way back to the beginning of this conversation he hired me for the potential of what i could do not because of my list of stuff that i've done because if you looked at my list of stuff that i've done it doesn't say that i really knew services business it says that i had a good sales and marketing background, it's but true. not necessarily for his business. But he had the foresight to say, look, he can, he has enough background to help us and he can learn the part that he needs to learn to get us to where we need to go. Right. And, and we ended up selling the agency in 2013 to Publicis Group, which is a massive holding company, and then merged, they merged us with Moxie, which is another large agency. And we were around 42 million in sales um, when, we, when we sold. And, and I was 
bringing my team was bringing in at least five million in net new per year. Wow. And of the forty-two million, I think I did the math. We were, I, I was, in some way responsible for uh, probably sixty percent of the revenue in terms wow. of all the clients that were there. So, and, and, and in terms, and including bringing in some amazing, like we brought in Hershey's and AMC theaters and um, nice. food line grocery stores and Chick Fil A and and and. Uh, uh, Cisco Systems. Uh, so we sure. had some really great, great clients that were a result of many years of trying to figure out how to do my job and, right. and how to lead a team and all of that kind of right. stuff. I just, the part that sticks out to me is you didn't get defensive in that meeting. Like, first of all, hats off to that CEO because I've seen that kind of thing in the past. And it's one of those things that I struggle with. Like, I could see myself eventually growing into that. But like, to say, oh, there's a conflict here? Great, let's just meet about it. Like to me, that yeah. seems like such an awkward tension that I would probably want to run away and screaming and hiding from that. But it's the right thing to do, which is say, let's talk about it and let's see yeah. what happens. Uh, part of the, one of the most fun things for me is when I run into one of those three people now, which I see them <laughs> periodically, I always remind them about how incredibly awkward that was. And, 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 and I, you know, like, remember when you tried to get me fired because I sucked ah. um, and, and, and they always, they get a chuckle out of it and they're like, yeah, you ended up figuring it out though. <laughs> it's like, thank goodness I figured it out because otherwise this would be a very different conversation right now. Yeah. What, what a, Ooh, Ooh, what a thing. What a thing. This guy sucks. Get him out of here. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, and then, but I also liked your question around okay, if I address these four things, are we good? And yeah. that's a great question because then it, then it, it cuts the bullshit out of like, oh, do you just not like me? Do I just right. like, look weird to you? And <laughs> to your point, I'm like not tall enough. I, or, I, remember, I remember one of the three people in the meeting kept using the phrase, he's like, it's like you just don't care. He kept saying like, it's just like, it's like you just don't care. I was like, I do care. I just don't know what I'm doing. Like I really don't oh, know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for each of those three people though, I. I knew it wasn't personal. I knew I was okay. making their lives harder, you Got know, it. because I was missing some of the skills and background that I needed to do my job effectively. And I was making their lives harder and, and a little more miserable. And um, it took a lot of work and a lot of communication to get to the place where we were good. I mean, you know, and, uh, and it's funny because I'm still, a, you know, I have a very strong relationship with all three of those, those folks and also the CEO, the fourth one, um, I think. I mean, is that because they're chained the, up in your basement or? No, it's, work a, it's a healthy relationship, a healthy, <laughs> a good relationship. I remember but, you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, it was, it's a very healthy relationship because awesome. we, we, we went through some trials together, you know, and it's one of those things when you've had a shared experience uh, with somebody that, that forms a bond. You probably yeah. remember that from even your, your days in the military. I mean. True. You know, when you share an experience with somebody, then you have a bond that others that didn't share that experience have. Yeah. And some, sometimes some of your best friends can come from conflict where oh, yeah. you're going to fight each other. A good friend of mine, Mo from college, we're about to, about to fight each other on a topic. We both thought we were disrespecting each other's parents or whatever. And, and actually we weren't, we talked it out. Now we're, now we're really close. Right. Or, yeah. you know, the guy in the military who disrespects you and so you, you won't stand for it and you, you have to act all tough, but then you like both respect each other after. Right? Yeah. It's like those kind of simple little things that sometimes turn into lifelong relationships. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. So, so when we um, got acquired by Publicis Group and I had all those job offers, I, I thought about going to accept one of the job offers, but yeah. I had a friend who said, hey, why are you going to go work for one of these agencies where they're expecting you to bring in 95% of the revenue, but they're going to give you like maybe 5% of the equity in the, in the uh -huh. agency? And she, she said, well, why don't you start your own agency? Mm. And I thought about that and I said, no, I don't really want to start an agency, but hey, maybe we can be a kind of a fractional business development resource and help multiple agencies grow. And so that was, that was sort of the, the, what, the, one of the sparks that helped a, uh, uh, set Brilliant. up really be, become born. This was February of 2000, no, sorry. February of 2014 was mm -hmm. when I started the company. And you know, now here we are six, a little over six years later. And um, it's great because we're working with agencies around the country, we're working with clients around the country and helping connect them. And then we're also helping some large clients conduct full on searches where the, you know, finding the right agencies and then narrowing down the pool to the best agency for them. It's like another full-time job on top of their day job. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's a lot of work. And so several clients have hired us to help them navigate that entire process. Um, so that's been interesting too, to be able to sit on the, the client side of the table as they're selecting agencies and also sitting on the agency side where they're trying to win new business, it's given us a depth of experience at setup that I think is unparalleled in terms of really understanding that dynamic really well and being able to help both sides navigate those challenges. Right. Um, it could be a conflict of interest, although I've, what I've found is that the best way to reduce any conflict of interest is just be extremely transparent. Mm. Who's paying you? When and you know by by disclosing that really clearly, it alleviates conflict. So um, we've really it's been it's a it's good been a point, lot of right? Someone yeah. trying to sell you a stock, help help you invest, and they're they're getting paid by the stock they're selling you. Hmm. Yeah. No, I mean we we've been very transparent about how right. our model works and who's paying us when, and that's been really useful and helpful. And you know, uh, one of our values I mentioned is honorable. So we, we, right. we, we take that really seriously. Um, when we do our weekly huddle, we, we have a, we have a daily stand up and a weekly huddle and the weekly huddle, we begin by picking one of those six values to talk about, um, uh, examples in the last week that we've seen where folks on the team have, have lived one of those values. And then when we end the meeting, we do shout outs and wins. Uh, for the mm. team and we pick we do it in the context of values so we say something like well zevi was very curious because he found this amazing resource that helped us do this thing or uh amanda was very tenacious because she made you know 27 phone calls to try to figure out this thing or whatever it is um so it's been it's been a lot of fun though to, to have that journey um you know, from from kid that graduated college and has no idea what he wanted to do with his life and mm -hmm. goes into retail because, I don't know, I, I know how to do that, to yeah. 
um, now running setup for the last six plus years and, and helping it grow and, and growing a team. And um, it's been fun. Yeah. And, and I think some of the challenge, just like hiring the right person is figuring out who to work with and that the social proof can be helpful, but just having someone you can trust and um, to introduce you to the right people can be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we always, there was a phrase that we used in a, in, in a presentation that we delivered to agencies, which is, you know, clients are looking for referrals, not waiting for cold calls. And the reality is we've hopefully become a, a, a resource for marketers so who true. are trying to find the right resources and connect with the right people. Our, our, our um, purpose is to connect and empower marketers because mm -hmm. we're better together. Right. We're better together. And, and so our job is to connect marketers together. Um, we just had a, an event, a digital event on Thursday um, of last week where we had the chief marketing officer for Piedmont Healthcare, which is a huge hospital system. Kellogg's, the huge you know, international. I think I've heard of them. Company. Yeah. <laughs> and Citrix, which is a big B2B, yeah. you know, remote work technology solution. Yeah. And, um, and it was so cool to be able to talk to those three about their marketing efforts. And, and, mm. and we had, you know, I think 150 people show up for our first digital event. And, um, uh, it was great. I mean, we were, we're learning things from, from them, but one of the things we launched at the end of that was a thing that a new initiative that we're doing called marketer mashups. I'm not, sorry, not marketer mashups, marketer matchups. Oh, cool. And the idea is it's sort of like you fill out a little eHarmony or match.com profile, but instead of finding you a date, we're going to actually match each person that fills out the profile with somebody um, else who's a like-minded marketer. And when you when you answer the questions, one of the questions will be like, "What kind of marketer are you looking to connect with?" And huh. what you know, are there some particular challenges you're facing? So we asked a couple of questions, and then and I, I talked. We talked a little bit at the open about compatibility and chemistry. For romantic matchmaking, you have to have compatibility, which is on paper there's mm -hmm. a match, right? Like we yeah. like the same hobbies or we, right. we, we both like the beach more than the mountains or we both right. like this. And so there's compatibility. And then you meet the person at a restaurant when we used to go to restaurants or whatever. Sure. You right. meet the person in person and you realize no chemistry yeah. or, or sparks fly and you know the right. sparks fly. So, so that's romantic matchmaking is compatibility, which is on paper and chemistry, which is the sparks. Mm. In business, it's more like capability and chemistry. So capability, I, I talked about the, the, the CMO of the healthcare system um, that was choosing his agency based on, on chemistry. Compatib uh, capability is on paper, this partner or customer or, or, or supplier or agency looks good, but are they a good fit for us? And do they right. mesh well with us? And so um, we're, we're going to do the work to at least make sure that each marketer has compatibility. Yeah. And then it's up to them to decide if they have chemistry. And, you know, again, it's not romantic chemistry, it's business chemistry. Interesting. Yeah. And, and sometimes you can even tell that up front. I know, like for our team, where we care, we have fun, and we get things done. And 
So simple, straightforward, but what's really cool is our sales team does a great job embodying this. And if you find them annoying and you don't want to work with us, that's good because normally this doesn't happen, right? But there's that few, there's that few people that either they don't care about what they're doing or they definitely don't want to have fun or they're not enjoying their job and they don't want to have fun with us. Anyone having fun makes them feel mad because they're not having like, yeah, not fun to work with those kind of people. They get to our sales reps and they're like, these guys are having way too much fun for this phone call. I'm out. And that's cool because it's the great filter to keep you from getting Absolutely. to our ops team and our amazing, super caring people, you know, that are going to help, help you with part on all that. But like when you get there, you really like the sales team. Well, that's cool because the ops team is just as awesome as they are. Yeah. Um, and, but every now and then if you get through and you got to protect yourself and your agency, but you're totally right. That chemistry is important. And to your point, there's, you know, it, it's not so much about what's on the resume, but you know, what can you do for me in the future? And, and do we have chemistry and are we going to get along? Yeah, for sure. Can I give you a plug for if anybody wants to do the marketer matchups? Yeah, I want to do the marketer matchups. Okay. So <laughs> just go to marketermatchups.com. So just how it sounds, marketermatchups.com. And um, you just fill out a little form. It's, it just kicks you over to a little form. And then we'll, we're, we're, we're going to keep that information confidential. We're just going to share it with the person that we match you with. So we're literally... For now, it's a manual process, but someday we may try to automate it or something. You know, we may turn into the eHarmony or Match.com for marketers. Yeah. But um, for now, it's it's small enough that you come to the marketermatchups.com, you fill out the form. We look at the profile of that person and go, "Up, oh, you know what? Casey's a good fit to match with that person and huh. make the introduction." So, and, and, and for the point of just networking and learning from each other, that kind of thing. Yeah. Hundred percent. And in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to e email both parties and say, "Hey, you all have been matched. Here's each other's profiles or whatever, and jump on a Google Meet or a Zoom or or go to meeting or whatever you want to to connect with each other. And 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 our job is to make the connection and then get out of the way. Our our job yeah. is not to get involved and and and. Um, is it marketer matchup or mashup? Marketer matchups. Match uh, marketermatchups.com. So market, uh, marketer matchup. Yes. I'm spelling it wrong because I'm not getting it for some reason. Um, marketer matchups. I think it is. It might be plural. Maybe not. Maybe marketer matchup. M-A-T-C-H-U-P. Huh. Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever we throw in the show notes, that's what, that's what it is, people. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll we'll make sure it that it works uh, by the time you're hearing this. Yeah, for um, sure. The and other we'll thing is you can go to setup.us and okay. learn more about us. Um, setup.us, not setup.com. Yeah. Uh, they wanted millions of dollars for setup. I'm sure they did rat bastards. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we have setup.us um, and you can learn more about what we do for brands that are, potentially needing help from agencies, agency support, agencies that are looking for business development assistance, um, or even yeah. we, we've even done some recruiting where we've helped fill particularly difficult to fill marketing positions. Um, right. uh, we added that in 2019 because we had a lot of marketers approaching us and saying, look, I'm trying to find somebody that's really a perfect fit for this gig. Could yeah. you help us? And you, you seem to know everybody. So we've been taking advantage of that and added a little bit of recruiting to the mix. I got a question for you. Um, there's some really cool stuff that comes from this. You, you really have a passion for 
helping marketers and, and taking this matchmaking thing to the next level. Um, like it, it sounds like it's good marketing cause you're meeting marketers who you can then match with agencies, but it also seems like something more like you genuinely are and you're coaching people. You love the, it. The UGA thing. Like yeah. you wouldn't be doing this And it. And I noticed it cause it's something that I've started to feel more and more called to is the idea of the marketing career and trying to coach people through it. And what is it about this that kind of has you drawn to helping teach marketers? Because you know, yeah. those people are not, you're like, they're not going to buy from you right out of college, right? The UGA. No, uh, yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not, that's just Nike. Passion. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I get a little dopamine every time I connect to people and they, and they make a match. Um, there, I was joking. I mean, there are three people who have married after I introduced them to each other. Wow. And um, so it's been a passion of mine for a long time. It's not just, they're, they're not all still married, not, not a marriage counselor, right? Uh, right. Hey, but, it's lead gen people. You're right. not a customer experience. Come on. But to me, um, I think for me, part of the reason is that my mind works sort of like if you ever see Law & Order SVU or you see one of these crime shows yeah. and they've got a, a, a cork board with photos of potential perps and photos of yeah. victims and photos of suspects and things. And they've got red lines connecting them and push, push pins. That's sort of how my brain works. I think nice. in terms of connections and it's not superficial. It's um, I, I remember things about people, tidbits about people and then pull them out later in, in context to mm. help them connect with something that they want or need or the people yeah. that they want or need. And to me, it's fun. I mean, it's just fun. Like connecting people together is fun. And um, I, I've been doing a presentation about business matchmaking lately because to me, I want other people to experience the fun of that. Yeah. And, and also, I also live in this weird world where I have connected to a lot of people throughout my life and throughout my career. And somehow for some reason in my brain, I assume everybody that I'm connected to knows each other. And <laughs> sure. They actually don't. Sometimes so, they do, but you're right. Mostly they usually don't. Most of them don't know each other. So now it's my mission to mm. get them to know each other because I connected with those people that, you know, these different folks because there was something beautiful in them, you know, yeah. something that I saw in them that I really appreciated. And so I want others to be able to appreciate that same beautiful thing about them. So yeah. to me, it's definitely a passion that, that, um, and connecting with students and helping students with their journey is part of it to me. Um, nurturing the next generation of talent is part of it for me. I, I, I I'm passionate about that. And, um, it's fun. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, our company is about connecting people together to connect and empower marketers because we're better together. Yeah, we are. Like, I, I honestly believe that. And, and by the yeah. way, somebody that doesn't believe that shouldn't come work for setup and, and you shouldn't, you know, yeah. if you don't, don't talk believe to me. <laughs> that marketers are better together, don't talk to me. Right. Um, I, I actually had to let somebody go some years mm -hmm. ago because they honestly didn't believe in the power of marketing. They, they thought marketing was trying to trick somebody into buying something that they didn't want. And it can be if you do it, it wrong. It could be, but I fundamentally yeah. believe that marketing is a, a, a vehicle and a medium to help you get the, the things and the 
that you want in yeah. this world. And, and, and it's not just things, it's experiences, it's people, right. it's whatever. But, you know, if you, if you build a beautiful, beautiful product and nobody markets it and you never know about it, what a shame that would be. Right. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm particularly, you know, I love connecting people together. It's, it's a passion of mine. But generally, I, I believe in and love marketing because I think it has the ability to help people live a more fulfilled life, a better life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the point marketing could be what you make of it, right? There's people that view it as like the spam world or the making things pretty world. But to your point, I mean, life is too short. We're not in the Peace Corps here, but we can actually affect people's lives. Yeah. We can help. Uh, they're having problems, whatever they are, they're having problems. We can connect them with the right solutions and try to get them to take action. Status quo is so easy to do. You got to motivate them and encourage them to take that next step and and yeah. you're right. That's what marketing can be if you let it. There, there are bad people in every profession and there are good people in every Except profession. for lawyers. All lawyers are good, right? All- I, I'm married to an attorney. Uh, oh, no. And she's a very, very good. She's a b- way better person than I am. But, That's awesome. Um, but I, I'll tell you that, you know, at the end of the day, um, one, of the fa- one of the characteristics of a good marketer, I think, is, is we're, we're optimists by mm-hmm. nature. And we see the good in people and we, yeah. we see the, you know, that's part of, and, and perhaps even as an entrepreneur, that's part of, you know, the reason I became an entrepreneur is, is really a sense of optimism. Even during difficult economic times, yeah. I see the value of what we deliver and I, I feel, you know, I feel good about going uh, about the day's work that I put in every day. Uh, we're not here to trick anybody, you know, we're not here. We're here to help people connect. <laughs> and, yeah. and I love, you know, that, that that's a wonderful thing to, to go home from work every day and feel fulfilled that you helped people connect with each other that wanted to connect with each other. Right. And with the coaching and the guidance and the, and working with the, the newer marketers, I think there's a, yeah, when you're living in that joy that you're living in now, it, it's, it's fun to try to help people accelerate and find that sooner so they can do less work in the don't know, unsure, not really enjoying this to like, what do you, what would be really passionate for you? What, where could you yeah. hang out? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to be generic and say, find your passion, but the reality is I, I found mine and you can find yours. Yeah. I, I think, you know, things, sometimes people call things cheesy or generic when they're true, like, like the old wives tales. Well, maybe that's just true. Yeah. We should believe, you know, and and I think sometimes people that reject those notions as cheesy or cliche are just kind of like mad that they're not doing it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, actually you can find your passion and uh, and get paid for it. Absolutely. Well, that's what uh, uh, a lot of times people, when I tell people about what, setup does and, and our model like wow that's a kind of unique model we haven't really heard of that before and and, yeah. and then the next thing they say is wow you've taken something that's clearly a passion for you and you monetized it you turned it into a company right. that is paid to make those connections between people and um you know i i think at the end of the day if you're not passionate about what you're doing every day, don't do it. Do something else. I mean, if you hate being an attorney, don't be an attorney anymore. Go, go be a graphic right. designer or go, you know, uh, right. 
Yeah, so, I, I, I would take it further. Say if you hate your customer or you don't enjoy yeah. your customer, like <clears throat> if they just irritate the shit out of you, cool, okay, good to know. Go find a customer that you would enjoy yeah. serving. You know, I, so that I, way you're I, not tricking them. I, I one of the reasons that I might be so passionate about marketing is that. I've gotten a chance to work with some of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. And, wow. and, and you know, in some ways smarter than, you know, than doctors and lawyers. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they, 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 um, and I like the experience of working with people that are smarter than me, you know? Oh, um, yeah. And, um, you know, that to me is how we grow and how we learn. And it keeps me fulfilled to kind of work with smart people. And so I, I love it. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it, you know, entrepreneurship, I will say is not for everybody. And it's very, it's a very difficult road. It's a stressful road. Sure. And, and uh, a risky road, uh, risky. And I say to people that are thinking about starting a company or thinking about getting that job, just go get that job. Because if you're thinking, you know, e either you are driven to start a company and there is, you will, there is nothing else that will make you, the flame will burn and, and, and there's nothing else that will make the flame burn like that than, than right. starting a company, then you should start a company. If that's not the case, there's none of this, maybe I would start a company or maybe I would get a job. Just go get a job. But yeah. If, and it, if, it's, if it's meant to be, yeah, because I, I had that sort of persistent calling myself in different places, but it was helpful to have those jobs and learn those things. And and if the th thing is going to keep calling you, like the like the call, the horn is is blasting in the background, and you hear it, you're like, oh, okay, now it's the right time. So, I, I have your a friend point, who yeah. said said the only title he'll ever have for the rest of his life is co-founder, <laughs> which I nice. Is 100. percent I mean, like he his company may or may not make it 10 years or 20 years from now. Yeah. But he's not going to. He will never ever hold a job. He will always be an entrepreneur because he is driven to do that. And mm. um, so I'm I'm excited for young entrepreneurs who are driven like that. It, sure. It, it took me much later in life to come to that place. I mean, I was 42 when I started my company. Um, with with a wife and kids and mortgage and, and totally. all of that, but at the end of the day, um, it's been a really rewarding journey and and one that I wouldn't trade for anything else. Yeah, and you know whether it's you know being an entrepreneur or what like you found your thing, you know. Yeah. So it's like for people, whatever you know, some people are called the you know the passion, the fire is like entrepreneurship. For other people, it is the marketing. For other people, it is something else. Cool. Just find your thing. You know? There's a fun analogy there that I think you're, you're, you're reading to, which is, you know, some people are called by religion where they become a pastor or a minister sure. or a rabbi or whatever. And, uh, and it's a calling. They call it a calling. Yeah. I think entrepreneurship is very similar in many ways. There are probably sure. a lot of parallels between being, you know, in, on the pulpit in front of your congregation and being on, on the, you know, in front of your company doing your town hall meeting or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if in here we get deep, deep on a Wednesday. Yeah. I wonder if like within everyone, there's a calling to something. Yeah. You know? And it's like it, it, by, by calling it something that you would just do all the time and you're crazy for it and it's not work and 
you're going to work hard and it's going to painful, but you're going to love it. Yeah. Like there's that thing and w- whatever it is. And some of them are clear and more obvious, like, Oh, you know, become a priest, wear some, you know, wear robes or like, or, or the entrepreneur thing. But sometimes it's like, actually, I want to be a CFO or I want to just be yeah. a nonprofit volunteer. I, I don't know, but whatever um, that thing is that you lose yourself in. Yeah. I mentioned the, a book earlier uh, written by a friend, the five day turnaround by Jeff Hillemeyer. Yeah. And the, the actual purpose of the book is to help people that work in a corporate environment think and act more like entrepreneurs. Ooh, I like that. So the book is about, you know, hey, in the book, there's a, it's written as a parable. parable. Mm-hmm. It's a fictional uh, leader at a big megacorp. I think they called it Titan Corp in the book. Okay. And then it's, it's a, a small, scrappy entrepreneurial guy who's sort of helping the big bureaucratic leader think and act more like an entrepreneur. Mm. And um, that second chapter is the one where they talk about PVTV, uh, purpose, vision, tenets, values. But each chapter is sort of a different aspect of being an entrepreneur that would be useful to a non-entrepreneur. Right. And so um, it's a good book because it, it helps, you know, it, either an entrepreneur could read it and go, huh, that's something I hadn't tried or some tips mm-hmm. that I, I could use. Or a non-entrepreneur can read it and go, hmm, maybe we should implement one or two of these things that are in the book that will lead my organization to be more nimble, to be my, right. to be, you know, um, more passionate, to be more, you think about all the things that go into being an entrepreneur and could we apply some of those concepts to even your dull bureaucratic? We, we, we talked about the, the movie office space. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's like the ultimate parody of working in a cube. You know, sure. what is it like to work in a cube? Um, I, I'll never, I, I always love the line from that movie. Uh, Peter, the character goes in front of the consultants named Bob. They were the Bobs. Oh God. And they said, Peter, it looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. And he says, I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> That's like, surely you can't be serious. I am. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, so I that, say I'm uh, missing it. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Uh, but, but so, you know, you think about, I, I think about entrepreneurship as, as a, you know, there are a lot of lessons that I've learned in the last six plus years that I never learned in my 20 year career before that or 18 year or whatever it was yeah. your career before that. And, um, and I still have a lot of lessons to learn. I mean, uh, it's a journey. It's a journey, but I think, I mean, to your point, that learning process it can be painful. And you mentioned the other time of, uh, you know, working with people that are smarter than you. That isn't always easy. Right. No. It, and it can be kind of painful actually, because I, I've experienced this with some of the people um, that I've worked with, even at, my own company where you're having a conversation, you, you feel one way and then they're saying the other thing and you're listening to it and you're slowly realizing that they're right and you're wrong. And you're like, Oh no, I have to yeah. change my view on this thing. And it's like, your body's like resisting. And but- as a young, as a young person, you dig your heels in and you keep your position mm. as a more experienced person. You, go, you know what? You were right. Right. <laughs> and you move on. <laughs> you admit it. You were right. You're like, move oh, on. Shit. Was that, oh God, I was out. Oh, that was me. That was my, that was my bad just now. Yeah. I was, I was about to like go, go off on the rails and 
and say how bad this was and nope it was actually my fault damn it yeah. well i mean one of the very best things that i learned as an entrepreneur it is that vulnerability and mm. allowing your team to know that you're not perfect that you're yeah. not magic that you're not that you're just a guy trying to do his best to lead the company the best sure. he can and um i think that that um it's not empathy because my wife will tell you that I'm not as good at that as I should be. I've heard that too. Uh, uh, but, but it's, it's more, it's more um, vulnerability and, and, and allowing, you know, be, being okay with not being right all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not going to take out, take like an ego hit that's beyond recoverable. It's like right. slap. Oh God, that hurt. It does. That still hurts, but right. you're like, Okay. Not a lesson learned. Okay, <laughs> move on. And then you appreciate yeah. it afterward. Um, and like, we always hear about, you know, what is it like I, right now? The the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN mm-hmm. has been been playing. And have you, you seen know, that? I haven't. I'm, I haven't I'm, seen it. Yeah, I just I, heard I'm about gonna, it. I think I'd like to watch it, but it, yeah. you know, they always use the quote that you know Michael Jordan missed twenty thousand shots in his career, but you know, but he made the ones that count the important ones kind of thing. I don't know. I, I'm making the numbers up, but there was some, some, some quote about, about the fact that the best um, are willing to, you know, make mistakes and, and yeah. Are okay Reminds me that. of like Babe Ruth, right? No one talks about how he basically struck out all the time. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Cause he hit a couple homers every now yeah. and then when you needed right. it. Right. <laughs> totally. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, this is this has been fun. Man. We're, we've already thrown out some links, but let's throw out um, all the different places that people, you want them to connect with you, sure. either to get more information, to get matched up, or even just to you know, network and, and uh, link up with you. Yeah. So uh, Marketer Matchups is, should be marketermatchups.com is the URL to go there. And if it's not working properly, we'll make sure it does. Um, setup.us is our website and our social handles on all different channels are setup says so s-e-t-u-p-s-a-y-s setup says cool so you can find us on facebook and youtube and linkedin and and uh twitter and instagram that's awesome all of the socials we even did you didn't have to go to says with a z in it you know no no we, didn't says. Have uh, we even did a couple of tiktok videos which was kind of fun. ah nice just to play yeah why not yeah. Cool. So we can we can reach out to you there, um, and then you know the match the matchmaking we we'll have the link for that, and then setup is just really if you're looking for digital agencies, and this is great, right? Because even even not just digital, uh, any kind of marketing agency, we've, any kind, we've got okay. some traditional marketing. We've got various types of specialist agencies that are right. focused on one aspect, you know, just email marketing or just paid digital media or something. And then we've got some more generalists that are full service marketing agencies. That's cool. Cause you know, at, you know, at Chesh, we do the Pardot, the Salesforce, and then it's like, we often are asked, well, Hey, I need to get, create content, you know, or I need to yeah. do this. So it's a, it's a perfect, I'm glad we're able to chat here because it's a perfect, you know, tie in to say, well, I don't just want to throw anyone at them. You know, we've got a couple cool partners we work with and it's great to have someone who knows everyone, you know, yeah. 
And, and the other thing is that vetting process that we do up front mm. is designed to make sure that when we make an introduction to an agency, it's not just any agency, it's an agency that we know right. has been through the ringer and, yeah. and we know truly what makes them special and unique and stand out. And so um, that's been also really a fun part of the process because often the agencies learn a lot about themselves through that process that mm -hmm. helps them become better as an agency. Yeah. And it also helps us get to know them really well so that when we're recommending them to a potential client, that client can feel comfortable to know that they truly, you know, are, are, are what they say they are and are mm -hmm. good at what they say they are. Um, Cause again, you no, know, no client is waiting for a cold call from an agency <laughs> or from anyone else. No. They're looking for, advice from somebody that really or a company that really knows um how to you know which which part potential partners are the best fit for their needs right yeah right well man joe this has been freaking fantastic to be able to hang out with you here just chat marketing careers and good practices of marketing and coaching and all these things I love it, Casey. I, I, I appreciate the chance to be on the show. I was excited to talk to you. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, again, what we do is fun. It should be yeah. fun. Yeah, right? And, and find that fun, you know, and then hold on to it. Yeah. Chain yourself to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you stay there. Well, for the people listening, um, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I've got two pages of notes over here. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, all the things we've talked about today, uh, the different, different campaign ideas, the Valentine card, the, the circuitous roots, try spelling that, um, you know, in your career and just the different aspects. And Wait, it's, it's, it's either roots or routes, depends on what part of the country. Ooh, what do you in. call it? Uh, I don't know. R roots, I guess roots, roots? not yeah. routes. Yeah, I, I call it a route. Like Northeast is routes. We have a Route 3 in New Hampshire. Like a route, route 3, three not Route 3. I, maybe it's Southeast is routes and Northeast is routes. I don't know. This is a TBD. We'll have to have you come back on here and, and we yeah. can discuss the history of, of, of routing. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what, what I want to tell people, though, is if you have learned something, then share this episode with someone else. Be a thought leader. And you can with just literally by sharing this with four people. You have four people following you on Twitter, share it with them. LinkedIn, you probably have a bunch of connections. Share this on LinkedIn, this episode, this particular episode, but not just the link. Put your own commentary in it. Um, and put your color. What, did, what takeaways did you get from it? When you do that, that is the true thought leadership where you're saying, here's the source. I've learned some things from these people. Here are my takeaways. Put those on LinkedIn. Share with people. And now you're the thought leader. And let me know, tag me or something, and Joe, and we will like the heck out of that and make you um, a comment rock star. So, Great. Yeah. I, I, I think the number one, as a marketer, the number one compliment you can give to a marketer is to share their content. Yes. Because that's, that means that you put out something in the world that was share worthy. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's really... And that's what we do every day to try to make, make content that is helpful enough that actually helps people so much that they want to share it with other people to help them out too. Absolutely. Well, hardcore marketing, you got to share it. That's it, man. Joe, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, Casey. Awesome. And this, for everyone listening, has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. 
Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway, if you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right, we'll see you all in the next one.